0: Has it been the most challenging year of your life, man? If 2020 has not been the most challenging year of your life, I'm so sorry, buddy. Uh, uh, Rich English met me out under, under the pavilion last last week, and he's like, "Other than my year in Vietnam, <laughs> this has been the worst." I think it's because nobody shot at him yet this year. But hey, the year's only half over, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> give 2020 a chance. It may it may even trump Nam. Uh, just kidding. Lord, only joking. Okay. God does have a sense of humor. Um, he made me, uh, but people have really been struggling with this year. Um, you got a pandemic, you got protests, you got polarizing politics. Um, we, we may, we don't have football yet. You know I mean? It's been so discouraging. A lot of people felt like If you could just give up and cry uncle, I think a lot of people probably would. It's been discouraging on a lot of fronts. So we started this series last week that I'm calling Faith Works, and this changes everything. And we're learning in this series how to develop a faith that works when it doesn't seem like life is working very well, like now. And I introduce you to this book of James. We kind of looked at five points last week, looked at. One theme from each of the five chapters. There is so much here to help us strengthen and build a strong faith that works. Really in any stage of life, but especially in crisis situations in life. And I love the book of James because it's so practical. It's one of the most practical books. You don't even need a pastor type or teacher type to explain it to you. Because James is pretty blunt. He's in your face. If anything, you need me to soften it a little bit. And like I said, I'm a big softy. Don't worry. We're going to get through this together. He deals with practical topics, like how to deal with problems. We're going to talk about that today. You got any problems in your life right now? He talks about how to make decisions. Next week, we'll talk about how to make wise decisions he talks about how to handle temptations, how to treat people right. I wish I could preach that to the whole nation, or at least all my Facebook friends. How to treat people right. He also talks about how to control our mouth. Oh, man. We could do a whole series on that, but nobody would come back. Um, he talks about how to avoid arguments. You've been arguing with anybody lately? How about the people in your own house? I mean, some, 24-7, 365 is, is rough for some of us, right? How to be wise, how to manage your money, how to pray, how to have great relations. These are just some of the topics that James covers. He is so practical, even though he wrote it 2,000 years ago, it applies today more than ever. And like I said, he's blunt. He's not a coddler, but don't worry. I believe we can do this. I believe in you. I believe in God at work in your life. God wants to help all of us develop a faith that works. And if we'll cooperate with him, it will change everything. So the book of James is especially relevant in our situation today. It was written by Jesus' half-brother. So James's mom was Mary and his dad was Joseph. And it's interesting to me, one of the greatest indicators that christ is really the savior and the messiah is that james jesus's half brother was not a follower of jesus until after the resurrection i mean you think about that what what would it take for you to believe your brother was the son of god you know like yeah you're just my brother you know you'd have to die and come back from the dead for me to believe oh i guess i'm in kind of a thing so he became a follower of christ skeptical till Jesus' resurrection i guess and it's a very short book at the end of the new testament only five chapters as i mentioned last week only 108 verses we're going to read them all but it is jam-packed with practical advice for people in a crisis now it covers about every possible emotion you can feel have you guys been on the emotional roller coaster? Well, he's gonna he's gonna give us an emotional rescue of sorts. Because he gives us principles from God's word. And that's why I tell you all the time you haven't know, mentioned lately we should read our Bibles? That God's Word gives us principles for living that transcend all of the current circumstances, historical circumstances In future circumstances, God's word will last through the ages. And in any situation, God has an answer, even in a pandemic. In fact, James wrote this specific letter to people who were experiencing a crisis of their own. The crisis that the people that James wrote to was not a pandemic, but it was persecution. People were being evicted from their homes. They were losing their jobs. They were being arrested for their faith and often put to death for being a follower of Jesus Christ by the Roman Empire. It was a scary time to be alive anyway, and it was especially scary to be a believer. They were dying every day. You could lose your life for showing up to a church service like this today. Now, that's why in the very first part of this verse, it start, this book, it starts in chapter 1, verse 1, James one one. <clears throat> By the way, if you've got your program open, all the scripture that we're going to use today is right there on your outlines or the outline that you downloaded. It will also be on the side screens or pop up on, on um, the video broadcast, the streaming broadcast as well. James 1.1 1, 1 says, this letter is from James a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, in quotes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings, he says. Why were they scattered? Well, they were running for their lives. Their lives had been totally turned upside down, like our lives have been totally turned upside down with this pandemic. They didn't just lose their jobs, though. They lost their homes and could lose their life. So this was a real crisis. So James writes this little short letter, he encourages them in the crisis and he explains the kind of faith that they need, that we need, that those of us in 2020 need, the kind of faith that works when life doesn't seem to be working very, very well. And he begins with the attitudes, we talked about that last week, the attitudes that we need to have to make it through the tough times of life. So he's talking to believers in a crisis, and he says in verses 2 through 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. We said the word was mature. Incomplete last week, needing nothing. He's saying, when you start to realize and remember certain things, you're going to have a lot better handle on the problems, the trials, the crisis, the pandemic that you're going through right now. So listen very closely to me. Our success in making it through the COVID-19 or if it turns into COVID-20 next year when it comes around, or any other crisis that we go through in life, our success is always going to be determined by what we realize and what we remember. How we handle stress on this planet will always be determined by what we realize, what we know, and what we remember. And the clearer our perspective is, Interesting that 2020, what do they always say? Hindsight is 2020, right? That's weird for me this year. God is giving us some clarity in the midst of all this craziness. How we handle stress will be determined by what we realize, what we know, and what we remember. And the clearer our perspective, the more stable our life is going to be. The stronger we're going to be when the heat is on. We're going to talk about heat. You see perspective feeds our faith, and faith gives us confidence. When James started this book, he doesn't waste any words. He jumps right in immediately, and he starts by giving us four truths to remember. So if you're taking down notes, I want you to jot these four things down. Four facts to remember when you're going through troubles and problems, which we have a plethora of right now. Number one, troubles and problems are inevitable. Have you discovered this yet in life? Troubles and problems are inevitable. The first part of verse 2, it says, when. When troubles of any kind come your way. Circle the word when. He doesn't say if troubles come, does he? He says when troubles come. Count on it. You will have trouble. Now, James is not the first person to say this. Jesus your Savior said, in this world you will have tribulation. Peter, the apostle, said, don't be surprised when troubles happen in your life. So if you thought, if some, if some televangelist somewhere told you, just give your life to Jesus and you'll never have any more problems, I always want to say, don't you know any Christians? We have problems, just like you have problems. Don't be surprised when troubles happen. Nobody's immune to problems. Nobody is insulated. Nobody is isolated from troubles. He says troubles are inevitable. Problems, you know, it's graduation time. They're finally getting to graduate. You know, they, they finished all their work in May, but graduations have been happening live and online and in auditoriums, social distance. It's, it's been a weird, weird year. Problems are not an elective course in life. If they were, who would sign up for that, right? No, problems are required courses. You cannot graduate life without going through problems and troubles. They're inevitable, he says. Second thing, James says, is troubles are not only inevitable. Troubles and problems are variable. Will you feel that invariable? What does he mean by that? Well, they're not all alike. We know this from experience. Trouble comes in all sizes. Problems come in all shapes. They come in more than 31 delicious flavors. The second part of that first part of the verse says, When troubles of any kind, circle any kind, come your way. When, that's inevitable, it's inevitable, all kinds, that's variable. When troubles of any kind come your way. The Greek word that's used there literally means multicolored or lots of shades of problems. They're variable. Troubles vary in intensity. In other words, how painful they are. Some troubles are a little bit painful. Some troubles are a lot painful. Some troubles are drop you to your knees. Painful. Problems are also vary in frequency, how often... They come. And troubles and problems vary in duration. How long they're going to last. With this COVID-19 pandemic, we don't know how long it's going to last, do we? I mean, what are we going into our fifth month? Do you remember when this started? We were like, you know, just two weeks of, of inconvenience. And everything will be okay. I told you then, didn't I? Only God knows. I said, look, you, you can't trust the government. You can't trust the medical community. Said, I'm so sorry, government. I'm so sorry, medical community. I sure can't trust the politician. not even going to apologize to them. <laughs> only God knows. That's not to slight anybody on the planet. Like, why don't you know? Why didn't you know? Well, because we're all human. Only God knows. And he's the only one who knows how long this crisis is going to last. I don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long it's going to last. Your Facebook guru doesn't know how long it's going to last. But we do know that troubles and problems are inevitable and variable. Third thing that James says, he's never even heard of COVID-19, but doesn't this all apply? He says troubles and problems are unpredictable. They usually catch us by surprise. Troubles, (laughs) they they catch us so, so by surprise. Does anybody have their New Year's resolution still? could you dig that back up? We're going through 40 days of purpose. We're cranking. I'm like, whoo, tired, got to run down to Disney for a couple of days, kind of catch a little, you know, a little R&R. And, you know, we had some major health things going on in our church, and then boom, and I'm like, don't worry about it. When they close Disney, let me know. That's when I'll come out of my, come out of my cave and worry about this because Disney's only been closed one day in my whole life. I said those words. Yeah. You can't predict this. Nobody knows ed this, right? That's how troubles and problems are in our life. This is what James says. Have you noticed they come at an inopportune time? I mean, it's not it's not like we plan. It's not like, man, you know, my schedule is open like Tuesday and Wednesday. It would be a great time to have a problem. No, we don't do that. Man, I don't have a thing on my schedule. Sure, it would be nice to... That's not how it works. It always seems like you end up with a flat tire when you're already running late. You you ever do that? You ever like your mom says, make sure you leave 20 minutes, 30 minutes early in case you have a flat tire. Every time I leave for 30 minutes early, I never have a flat tire. You let me leave 10 minutes late. What's the deal with that? Murphy's Law, right? What makes a problem a problem is they often catch us off guard when we least expect it and when we're unprepared. It's when it's inconvenient. It's always inconvenient, it seems. You know as well as I do, we can't schedule our troubles. We can't schedule our our problems. Well, I'll just make time on Tuesday for a problem. You can't predict it. You can't anticipate it. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have problems in life. Welcome to the planet. Fourth thing he says, this is actually good news. Troubles and problems, he says, are purposeful. They're purposeful. In other words, there's a, a purpose behind your problem. James 1, 3 and 4 says, For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. These problems come and they produce Growth in us. That's what we talked about last week. They produce maturity. What is he saying? He's saying they're variable. They're unpredictable. You can't figure them out, but at least they're productive. Troubles help our endurance grow and be perfected. Maturity. And he's saying that stress and suffering in our life can accomplish something good for us. Well, we're in a lot of stress and a lot of suffering right now. And that stress and suffering that we're experiencing right now can have great value in our lives. If we have the right perspective. And James is saying, look, God uses difficulties in our life to help us to grow. I said last week, to grow up. How in the world God uses, how does he use difficulties in our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked. James gives us three ways, three purposes for the troubles in our life. Jot these down. Number one, troubles and problems test my faith. They test my faith. In verse 3, he says, For you know that when your faith is tested, faith is like a muscle. The only way you can grow a muscle is you've got to stretch it, you've got to put it under stress. That's why they call it working it out, and that's why the Bible talks about working out your faith. You put pressure on it, you put weight on it. That's how you build muscle, and that's how God builds our faith. He stretches it. The word testing here is actually the term that's used. I've mentioned this before. This is the word about refining metals. Refining, in refining like gold and silver you have to burn off the impurity. So what you do is you, you take gold, you put it in a vat, you, you superheat it up until it boils and it liquefies, and all the impurities rise to the top. It's called dross, and you can scrape it off. And as you scrape off more and more impurities, the gold becomes more and more pure. That's why you have different classifications of the purity of the gold. Your class ring, if they even do that anymore, is a 10 karat gold. It's like it's like some gold, but it's mostly junk, right? And then you've got 12 karat, 14 karat, 18 karat pure gold. Is 24 karat gold. That means there's like no impurities at all. You can see your reflection in it. Same thing with silver. You heat it up, it burns off all the junk. And it purifies it, or it makes it more, more pure. That's what's going on in our lives right now. Do you you feel like, you feel like the heat's on? You feel like, you know, I'm I'm the frog in the kettle. It's like they just keep turning the heat, and you feel like you're melting under pressure somewhat. Especially if you're in Florida. I mean, maybe you're sheltered at home still, or maybe you've lost your job. Mike. My need-a-job list is growing. Um, my need-a-job prayer list. Um, maybe your kids all are out of school. Well, all kids have been out of school, but now they're going back to school. That's creating its own set of problems. Um, you've got all kinds of problems. A classic example when the, when the heat is on and our faith is being tested is that story of Job. I talked about that back in March. His, his faith was tested many, many ways. And yet at the end, he came out pure. He passed the test. And God restored everything that he had lost. Sometimes what we think is bad turns out to be what God really uses for good. There's a great story of a Christian, a guy who he told this story years ago about getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to him. And he had worked at a sawmill all of his life. And he walks into work one day, and the owner or the boss, the foreman, announces, you're fired. No warning, no nothing, economic downturn, there's a recession. At 40 years old, he's out on the street, said he was scared because, he says, I lost my job, I felt like my world had caved in the day I was fired. That's a direct quote. He says, I went home and I told my wife what happened, and she said, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I thought about it, and I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. I'm going to go get a mortgage on our house, and I'm going to become a builder. And he went in business for himself after being fired from the sawmill. And he says the first thing that he did was he built two small motels. And within five years, he was a multimillionaire. The man's name was Wallace Johnson. The business that he started, you probably stayed at one, Holiday Inn. He started Holiday Inn because he got fired. And this is the quote that he's so famous for. He says, if I could locate the man who fired me, I would go up and sincerely thank him for what he did. At the time it happened, I did not understand why I was fired. Only later, hindsight 2020, only later could I see God's hand. It was God's unerring and wondrous plan, his words. To get me into the career of God's choosing. See, in hindsight, when we look back, we can kind of see, oh, God was in that. When you're in the trouble, when you're in the problem, you're like, why, God, what's going on? So the first thing that troubles do, the first purpose of a problem is it tests my faith. Am I going to trust God in this COVID situation or not? Obviously, many of you, you are. Some people, they're like, I'm done. And, I mean, we've all said that. Probably. I'm done with this pandemic. I'm done with, with everything. All right, second thing. Troubles and problems, not only do they test my faith, but they develop my endurance. Troubles develop my endurance. In James 1, three, the second half says, your endurance has a chance to grow. The old English word there is steadfastness. Not a word we use very often now. What is steadfastness? What is perseverance? What is endurance? It's the word we would use now would be it's staying power. That's what it is. Literally the ability to handle pressure. The ability to keep on hanging on. And hanging in there when things go bad. So the question is, How do you learn to handle pressure? Where do you get grit? Have you ever thought about this? How do you learn to handle pressure in life? Well, there's only one way. You have to experience it. And this is a quality that is in very short supply in our particular society today, right now. Most people today, and you know, there are days where I'm part of this most. Most people today in our society, they give up too soon. They haven't learned steadfastness. They haven't learned perseverance. They haven't learned endurance. You know, we try something two times, two and a quarter times, I can't do it, I give up. One of the things God wants to teach us when things don't go right over and over again is endurance. He wants to test our faith, and he wants to produce endurance or steadfastness in our lives. Then James says there's a third thing that troubles do. He says troubles and problems mature my character. We spent a whole week last week talking about this. They test my faith, they develop endurance, and they mature my character. Verse 4 says, So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect. You can circle the word perfect, you can write the word mature, and complete, needing nothing. Wouldn't you like to be like that? Wouldn't you like to be a man or a woman that was perfect and complete, needing nothing? A man or a woman with no weak spots? A man or a woman with character and maturity? He says that's what happens when we learn to respond to troubles and problems correctly. Years ago, I read a pretty famous study, a research study from Russia, and they did a study on studying the living conditions of certain animals and the longevity of their lifespan. And the the long, short story of it is the conclusion was They discovered that, and this will make sense, animals placed in an easy, comfortable environment where it became weaker and more susceptible to disease compared to the same kinds of animals who are left to experience kind of more real-world difficulties. Those that were allowed to experience normal hardships of life for their species tended to last and live longer. They were hardened. They were street smart, so to speak. I think the same is true in human beings. So how does God want us to respond to the trouble of this COVID-19 crisis? Well, James chapter 1 gives us the answers. How should we be responding? Listen, these are radical. I'm going to give you four counterculture responses. But They're radical, but they're the right responses as believers. And it may surprise you, some of them. But you can make a choice. You and I can make these choices, this advice from Jesus' half-brother, written 2,000 years ago. It's like he's speaking to us today. If you want to respond right so that you can develop a faith that isn't troubled when the problems and the troubles come, how should I respond? Number one. And this is, this is easy to understand, difficult to do sometimes. I rejoice knowing God can use this. First thing we do when we experience troubles and problems, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because really, what's well, the first thing we do? We complain. But God says, no, you want to get on top of this, rejoice knowing that I can use it. God can use anything that we give him, even the problems and the troubles that other people create. That harm us. None of us did COVID. None of us caused this. Yeah, he can use even, even those things. Remember in our last series we talked about Joseph. We talked about him for like seven weeks. In week seven, I said he's the guy who's famous for saying, you meant it for bad, but God used it for good, Genesis 50, 20. Well, in the New Testament, James 1, 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Circle great joy. Because you're like, what? No, don't misunderstand this. He's not saying deny reality. He's not saying pretend there's no problem. He's not saying fake it till you make it. He's not saying put on a plastic Jesus smile and just wear it wherever you go. Jesus loves you. Yes, he, you know. He, he, he's, he's not saying be, be Pollyanna. The sun will come out tomorrow. No. He's not saying to live in denial of the problem. He's saying acknowledge the problem. As I said last week, this sucks. If I can say that, they let me come back. It's okay to say life sucks right now. I don't like this. This is, this is, but I'm going to, in spite of my feelings, I'm going to choose to rejoice and be joyful. We don't rejoice for the trouble, but we can rejoice during the trouble because of what we know is true. And what do we know is true? Well, we know that God sees us and he cares about us. We know that's true. We know that God is with us in the trouble. We know that's true. We're never going to be alone. And we know that God will give us strength to get through it if we trust him. Those are three pretty big no's. This is what I know. God sees and cares. God is with me, and God will give me strength to get through it. The greatest comfort of all, when you're going through pain, when you're going through trouble and difficulty, is probably Romans 8, 28, which I keep reading to you over and over. Hopefully, you're going to memorize this. Where it says, we know that God causes everything, circle the word everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything includes COVID-19. Everything includes pandemic. Everything includes economic collapse. Everything includes protests. Everything includes political fighting all over my Facebook feed. Now, this promise isn't for everybody. It's a promise for those of us who love him. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And it's a promise Everybody who wants to live according to his purpose. Have their lives count according to his purpose. What is he saying there? He's saying, when you're going through tough times like we are right now, joy is a choice. It's your choice to rejoice. It's not based on circumstances. It's based on what we know. It's based on faith. We know that in all things, God is working out together for good, for all of us who love him and are called according to his purpose, it's a choice to praise and to rejoice. As David said in my favorite psalm, Psalm 34: I will praise the Lord at all times. Circle at all times. That's not just good times. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to rejoice with God. As Casting Crown sings, I'll praise him in the storm. And it says, I will, circle I will, the first two words. You've circled that all times, and you've circled the first two words, I will. That's a a choice of the will. It's a decision. I choose to rejoice in God. I'm not rejoicing in my problem. I'm like, yes, innocent of the pandemic, no. But I'm choosing to rejoice in God, that God's going to use it for good in my life. He's not putting me through this for no good reason. I rejoice knowing that God will use it. Number two, the second thing that James says about trouble, that we're to do, the second thing we're to do is request. I just want to pause because this is one of those yeah, yeah things. This is one of those things where we've been Christians for a while. We're like, yeah, 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 I already know that. Okay, I get it that we know this but let's just pause and make sure we're doing this, okay? I know you know to ask for wisdom, but when's the last time you asked for wisdom? When? Uh, If you can't say today, wrong answer. The last time I asked for for wisdom, okay, is it still early? It's before yesterday. If you can't say today or yesterday, wrong answer. We should be asking God for wisdom every single day. He says, don't panic, pray. Ask God for wisdom in your life. So my job as your pastor is to kind of get in your face like James would get in your face and say, have you asked God for wisdom when? Uh, uh, Do it now. How long does it take to ask God for wisdom? You could have already asked him for wisdom since I put number two up on on the thing. You could have just said, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 Jerry. God, please give me wisdom. Tune me out and go right to him. And ask him for wisdom. And if you still haven't asked him for wisdom, let me lead us in prayer. Everybody say, Dear God, please give me wisdom. Amen, right. (laughs) Out loud if you need to. All right. At home if you need to. Out in the pavilion, you need to pray for a lot of wisdom too. Look, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That's a promise. He says God's not holding back wisdom. He gives wisdom to anybody who asks for it. Wise people ask for it. So have you asked God for wisdom specifically on how you're going to handle this COVID-19 crisis? Have you asked God for wisdom on what to do about your job situation? Or what to do about your future? Or what to do about your kids' schooling? Or what to do about whatever you're struggling with? By the way... The choices for this year's school year are out. Um, Man, that's all over my Facebook feed, too. I guess there's like, my kids aren't in school yet, so this isn't much on my radar. I know for some of you, you've been living and breathing and seething this. Um, I guess there's about three to four choices. So let me just ask you point blank. Have you prayed about which choice is right for your family this year? You better because God is the only one who knows which of the three or four choices is best for your specific family and for your specific children. He's the only one who knows. We re- have you asked him? Or are you just asking everybody else? Have you asked him for wisdom? God, help me to have wisdom. Which, which choice should our family make for our family? Really, we should pray this every year. You probably prayed more about it this year than ever before. But really, every year we should pray about it. When my kids were little, every summer, Nancy and I would pray through, what are we doing with school this year? Because every year was different. And every year our kids were different. And by the way, we had two kids. They're both different. If you have more than one child, you figure that out fast. So we would pray. Now look, we did public school. We did private school. We did homeschool. We did a hybrid between Private and homeschool. It was like half and half, half private, half homeschool. The only thing we didn't do was virtual school. You know why? They didn't have it then. I'm so old, they barely had the Internet. Okay? So doing school on TV was like Jetsons. We were more like the Flintstones. Okay? The point is, every year was different, and every year our kids were different. That's why we prayed. And let me just mention this. Don't worry about everybody else's kids. Okay? You pray and worry about your own kids. That's enough of responsibility for you. Okay? Just pray about your own kids. We don't need any more Facebook school choice zealots. If someone asks you what your choice is, fine. Here's what I suggest you say. If you can say it honestly, say, you know what? We've prayed and this is what we feel like God has as the best for our Family This year, but I think you should pray and ask God for wisdom about what's best for your family And whatever anybody else picks say yay. God It's their choice. So all right enough of that Look, there's no right choice. By the way, there's no best choice. By the way The best choice the right choice is God's plan for your family. Don't miss that God says to ask for wisdom and he says to he willingly gives it to us generously God gives wisdom to anybody who asks for it. You say, well, why do I need wisdom? Well, a couple of reasons. First, so we can learn from the trouble that we're going through. Um, Every trouble is an education. But more importantly than that, we need wisdom so we know what to do and make the right choice. I'm saying when you go through a trouble like what we're going through right now, Don't ask why. We spend so much time asking, why, God, why? Why me? You know, Um, Don't ask why. I'm not saying it's a sin to ask why. I'm saying it's not very productive to ask why. Ask what? Instead of why is this happening, ask God, what do you want me to learn through this? And don't waste it. Because I'll tell you, the devil wants to use trouble to defeat you. God wants to use trouble to develop you. The devil and everybody else, all your friends, all of the world, they mean to defeat you. God says, no, no, no. I'm going to use this trouble to develop you. So we rejoice knowing that God's going to use it to help me. And we request. We ask for wisdom. Third thing I do, James says, I'll read you the verse first. Then I'll give you the fill in. A little bit backwards. James 1.6 says, when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. He's saying to trust him, believing that he'll help. Expect him to help without doubting. That's the trusting part. And when you trust him, you realize he's already promised to strengthen you and to help you. I love this verse from David in in Psalm 116. It says, the Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, David says, and God saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me, God has gotten you out of so many jams in your life. He's protected you when you weren't even you weren't even paying attention to Him. You can look back, hindsight, being 2020. You can look back and you can see I was thumbing my nose at God, and God was still protecting me. He still was loving me. But here it says, "To rest, the Lord protects those who have childlike faith. Let my soul be at rest again." Circle rest again. Have you said that to yourself? Have you just take a breath and say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest in you. That's the fill in. I rest and trust God. He says, Don't worry, worship, relax, and trust God. Now, trouble does not automatically produce good results in our lives. For a lot of people, trouble just makes them bitter. There's a lot of people who are not going to grow in this crisis. They're going to wither in this crisis. There's a lot of people, their marriages aren't going to be strengthened in this crisis. It's going to pull them apart. Their families will disintegrate in this crisis. There's a lot of people who will get through a lot of this on adrenaline, you know, I think of our healthcare workers and our clergy and our first responders. Often our caregivers are the most unhealthy groups of people in our society because they care for everybody else, but they don't care for themselves. And those people, healthcare, clergy, first responders, will be going through uh, years of post traumatic stress when this is all over. If it ever gets over, trouble, see, doesn't automatically produce maturity and growth. What's the difference? The difference is faith. Our faith makes the difference. People are going to be severely changed by 2020, severely changed for the worse or for the better. And primarily, it's their choice which category. They end up in. Okay, it's your choice which category you end up in. Which category your marriage ends up in. Which category your career, your kids, your life ends up in. Our faith makes a difference. The faith that works when life doesn't work It's what we choose to focus on. First, I rejoice knowing that God can use the problems Troubles in my life. Second, I ask him for wisdom. Third, I rest and I trust God because I can't solve this on my own. And number four, James says, remember God's promises. In fact, the way I want to state it is not just remember God's promises, but refuse to quit remembering God's promises. I know that's like a whole lot of triple negatives or something in there. I refuse to quit remembering God's promises. But that's the endurance part. It's not just remember, but keep, keep, keep on remembering God's promises. Now, God gives us plenty of promises in the Bible. There's like 7,000 promises in his word. Have I mentioned we should read our Bibles because that's where the promises are. We will never face a problem on our own. James mentions a particular promise I think is important as we go through this COVID-19 crisis in verse 12 of chapter 1. This is what we're looking at. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The truth is, suffering is part of life. I'm so sorry if someone promised you a rose garden. I'm so sorry... If you thought the Christian life was just one big day at Disney. Disney has been closed. Suffering is also the part of a Christian life. And not just a Christian life. It's part of human existence. We're going to suffer no matter what. Whether we use it or we don't use it, we suffer. Whether we benefit from it or we don't benefit from it. We suffer. Whether we get rewards for it or we don't get rewards for it, we suffer. Whether we respond correctly or incorrectly, we're going to suffer in life. We're going to have problems. We're going to have troubles. And when we get through 2020 and we bury it and we say, that year didn't even count, big asterisk. For the next decade, for the next decades, we will experience problems and troubles. It's been happening all of human existence, since the garden. So don't waste your suffering. Don't waste your sorrow. Don't waste. You might as well use this for good. You might as well end up better, not bitter. You might as well end up stronger, not weaker. You might as well end up more mature, not wiped out. There's only two questions that really matter. When we go through this crisis, will you turn to God for help? And will you let him teach you some things and learn from it? Only two things that really matter. If you do that, if you turn to God for help and you let him teach you through this problem or any problem, James says you're going to receive a great reward. That's the promise of James 1, 1 through 12. I hope you'll stick with me through this entire series and learn what God wants all of us to learn, or at least you to learn, through this specific crisis. The book of James was meant for situations just like what we're going through right now. The alternative is to learn nothing and to waste all this pain that you're going to go through in the weeks or the months ahead. So stick with us. Tune back in next week. If you're not able to be here, you tune in. For those of you who are here, here, bring a friend with you. And let's learn what God wants us to do in this crisis. Let's pray. Will you bow your head, and let me just lead you in a very simple and short prayer this week. Just take a deep breath, and in your own mind, you don't have to say it out loud. You can just say this. Dear Jesus, you know every trouble. That I face in life right now. You know every trouble I've ever faced. And you know the trouble I'm facing now. And I understand that you have a purpose. Even in this. Coronavirus crisis. This pandemic. And I realize today. That you want to test my faith. You want to develop my endurance. And you want to make me mature in my character. So Jesus, I want to respond with faith. I want to thank you because I know that you can use this time for good in my life, in my family's life. And I want to relax and trust you. And I want to ask you for wisdom to guide me in the days ahead. And I want to trust you. And I want to rely on believing that you'll help me through this difficult period. Jesus Christ, help me to remember your promises. Especially when I feel like giving up. You know, if you've never opened your life to Christ, to Jesus, why don't you just say something like this. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. It's a simple prayer, really. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Replace my fear with your love. Replace my guilt with your forgiveness. Fill me with your purpose and your power and your peace. I want to trust you from this day forward. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us online and out back. Next week, we're going to talk about how our faith helps us make decisions, tough choices. If you've ever had a difficult decision to make, next week is some practical advice on how to use your faith to make tough choices. Thank you for joining us. I hope you'll be back and tune in again next week.